All right, welcome to Pipsqueak, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. All right, people, welcome to Peepsqueak, the cafe. You know, here at the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around a drink. And today I am drinking on peppermint tea, boom, boom, boom. And of course, I have my trusty H2O. And I never really say this, but I'm going to start saying it. I'm your host, Sean. You can get me right there on Instagram at Basexarb. Okay. <clears throat> I am also joined in the cafe today by Denise. Say hello, Denise. Hello, Sean, host. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. And what are you drinking on? On some agua. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. <laughs> and your lovely guest. All right. Okay. So... We are going to do something similar to what we did last episode. We were not, we were off last week because life had its own visions about what we were going to do. But we are going to do episode 75. Episode 75 is a case revisited, angel bumpers, cold case killer, or innocent teenage girl. Recall this is an episode from that week on February the 3rd, 2021, two years, ooh, over two years ago. And that was episode 32. Full disclaimer, we're going to so- show some clips from that episode. But full disclaimer, ooh, we looked a hot ass mess. <laughs> I'm sure only you did, but okay. Oh, the glow up is real. Jesus Christ. It's almost like we went and did plastic surgery on our background and everything else to, to get it. It cannot to where be that bad. Okay, we'll see when we get there. All right. So this stems from a case that actually it sparked quite a bit of controversy. It was an episode that we covered on accused, guilty, or innocent relating to Angel Bumpus, who at the time of the episode or at the time she was, I don't know, she had kids and I think she was almost 30 or something, right? No, she was 24 Um, back in 2019. She's almost 30 now. 24. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's let's do a little bit of background information. So Denise, you want to just talk a little bit about what you remember from the case? So we'll show clips eventually, but so yeah, so the show originally started with the 911 call, like it usually does, with the wife of the victim calling because she came home and found the victim laying on the ground. I think it was laying on the ground, I can't remember. And so the case goes cold. And one thing that wasn't mentioned on the episode that as I was researching for today's episode, I found out is that. The family of the victim, because the case had gone cold, had asked the, I guess the prosecutors or whoever it is that is in charge of the case to look at the case again, which is why I guess that's how they opened the case. And so Angel gets a speeding ticket. She fails to appear and they put a warrant out for her arrest. So they fingerprint her. And when they fingerprint her, her fingerprints are a partial match for this crime that had occurred 
back when it happened. I can't remember when it actually happened. I think it was 2009. Okay, so stop there. I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go there. Uh, Named Franklin Bonner, who, as Denise said, he was duct taped over, he had duct tape over his nose, over his mouth, causing, causing him to suffocate. So this is a murder. Right. And so the, the victim dies as a result of suffocation due to the fact that the duct tape was over his mouth, over his nose. And so he was bound to the chair and the case went cold. This happened in 2009. And so how did this case come into fruition? I mean, was the, the, the Chattanooga police like out here seriously investigating this? How did we get to the point in 2017 when we are now in the courtroom with Ms. Angel Bumpus? Well, I guess we can assume they weren't since, since it went cold, right? Because had they really been doing their job, it wouldn't have gone cold for 10 years. But it so just happens that she gets a ticket for speeding and mm -hmm. she fails to appear to court. Mm -hmm. So there's a warrant out for her arrest. Yep. So they, you know, find her, bring her in. They fingerprint her. Mm -hmm. And the minute they fingerprint her, they, they realize that she's wanted in this case back in 2009, in this murder case. Okay. So <laughs> I mean, that was your, wait, wait, that was the, some of the background information that you're talking about. But let's, before we continue, <laughs> let's talk about that. My video. hair is still the same. It's just different color. <laughs> that video like we just decided to plop a microphone on a and random just, just seat talk. and just <laughs> sit there and talk and have <laughs> oh the camera i don't even know what kind of camera we were using we that were in two funny. different locations the lighting is bad oh <laughs> but these are the episodes that you go back and say well, i've come a long way you know look at you now look at your background I mean, oh. mine is still, once I get promoted to co-host, then I may Then do you may be able to do something. You mm -hmm. know, I'm still a guest. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so anyhow, so this case garnered quite a bit of attention as a result of that. So as you heard, there wasn't like this was an active investigation going on really in reality. It was all most as by happenstance, right, that she came back into town because I think she had moved, right? She came back into town and she had a speeding ticket. She didn't show up. And then the fingerprint somehow connected her to the the crime. And so we'll show this piece here that talks a little bit about the recap of the charges that she received. She's charged with felony murder and aggravated robbery. There we go. Right? Okay. So very. that's the very clip but it's going to be a very important clip because that actually is part of the update that we are we are going to give you right so sometime in august of this year well no this is february 2023 sometime in august of 2022 the Court of Appeals for the Criminal Court of Hamilton County, Tennessee, issued an opinion relating to this particular case. And for those of you who are looking, I did this last time. I, I think there's value in saying these things. I'm going to pull up the case so that you can see kind of what it looks like here. And so this is the opinion that was issued granting a new trial, motion for a new trial in the matter of state of Tennessee versus Angel Kamika 
bump is. And so we are going to kind of go through the opinion, the analysis, and talk a little bit about why the, the court made the decision that it did. But that is kind of what it looks like. All right. So, Denise. Yes, sir. All right. So first and foremost, why are we even at a point where there's this court order about a new trial in this case? Because finally, somebody with some sense decided to do something <laughs> to help her. Uh, and, and, well, well, and, she does have new defense lawyers. Thank you. Because as I was listening back to the episode, we kept talking about how that defense lawyer she had was useless. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say well, useless. I will. I I'm <laughs> I'm going to say Let me stop before we start getting some. <laughs> I know. I'm going to say that there were things that I thought the defense should have done differently and actually should have actually did and didn't do. And so yes, I would agree. But she has new defense, a new defense team, and they filed the motion for a new trial, making quite a few different arguments, right? And so Ultimately, those arguments end up being part of what this court that we're going to talk about the case of the, the opinion that actually leads to a new trial. So disclaimer, I mean, spoiler alert, there's going to be a new trial that that particular case talked about what is considered a cumulative error doctrine. Right. And so in Tennessee, this was filed under the Tennessee rule of criminal procedure 33. You don't necessarily need to know all that information, but I like to provide the information because it's an opportunity for education. Uh, but anyhow, that is a procedure in criminal law that allows, at least in that particular state, that allows for a new trial with where the verdict is against the weight of the evidence, okay? And so the court in assessing the arguments made by Angel Bumpus lawyers as to why she deserved a new trial just lumped them up to the cumulative error doctrine. And so basically what that doctrine says is this, look, mistakes are going to be made in a trial, right? Now I'm paraphrasing, you know, I always do this on the on this show, I don't give you word from word, but basically to dumb it down and sum it down, what it means is there are going to be errors, right? Because the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution, and most states have some amendment similar to that, right? The Sixth Amendment to the Constitution guarantee you to a speedy trial and a fair trial, but it does not guarantee you to a perfect trial, right? So essentially, there are going to be errors in the the trial, whether that's errors with evidentiary issues, whether that's errors with rulings from the bench, whether that's errors with what information is allowed to be heard by the jury, whether that's errors in prosecution making certain statements or promises that they know that they cannot fulfill and things of that nature. So the cumulative error doctrine says on their own, these errors by themselves may not matter, right? At the end of the day, yes, you can look at it and say that was surely unfair. Why the hell would you why would you let that happen? Blah, blah, blah. Right. But what this doctor says by themselves, it you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever she gets. She was found guilty. She's found guilty. Right. But when you combine all of these different errors together, whether or not the combination of them all comes to the point that you're no longer allowing the individual to have a fair trial, right? So that's kind of what this particular court is looking at. All right. So 
I said enough there. Okay. You want to talk about some of the things that you read? I know that you you read some things outside of the opinion relating to the arguments that was made by the defense attorney. Mm-hmm. Wait, because something I found interesting. So the judge that granted the new trial, you know, he granted the trial, the new trial on August 31st, just a few days before being sworn as an appeals court judge. So do you nice. think that, you know how when you, when you apply for, when you, what is it? When you are applying for a new job? No, no, no. Uh, running for, for like a position, you know how uh-huh. they bring these cases to you to say, Hey, do you think her case was one of them? Because the the defense attorney filed the motion back in July. Wait, so are you saying, do you think because this judge has been elevated that the case may come to him if it goes further? Or what are you no, saying? No, you know how, how these people that are running like for sheriffs or whatnot or like, you know, positions in office and stuff like that, yeah. how people be bringing cases to them that they feel like, they need to be listened to because nobody has listened to them and whatnot. Uh-huh. We know, like you mentioned, that her case bought a whole lot of, you know, petitions online, podcasts, a whole lot of of whatever online. Do you think her case may have been one of those that they kept pushing and pushing and pushing? And he said, I mean, this is just my opinion. He said, I'm, I'm going to take this case. I know if I take this case, I'm going to have people voting for me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like maybe, I mean, that could be a possibility, but I don't think so. That's I mean, me. I think I read that and I was I, like, I, huh. <laughs> I think he wanted, I mean, he probably knew he was applying and or was in the running to be elevated or what have you. And this was his opportunity to leave a stamp on of, for justice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean as, as he indicated in his opinion, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, granting, and I should just say this, full disclaimer, granting a new trial doesn't mean that the person is innocent, right? And and the judge specifically indicates that, right? But granted in a new tra- trial allows that individual to mount a defense that is fair and equitable in the eyes of justice. But go ahead. So you were, you were continuing. Yeah. Yeah. They did mention that, um, he did grant her a new trial, but her conviction was not overturned. So, all right. So, wait, <laughs> because all but it was vacated. Are... What does vacated mean? So, vacated is another legalese uh, legalism, right? So, overturn basically means that you are saying if a person is guilty, you're now saying not guilty, right? Because you overturned that verdict. Vacate just means we're going to move it off the books right now, right? Because the individual still has the ability or the the prosecution still has the ability to retry the case. So they, they didn't gotcha. overturn the, the verdict, but vacated it because right now she needs a fair trial or another trial, new trial to determine whether or not that verdict would be able to stand. She sure does. And I'm so glad they granted it. All right. So some of the errors that were found, one was that the trial was short lived. And by that, they meant that apparently the jury selection began October 1st, 2019. And the verdict happened two days later. Like, how is that even possible? Have you seen cases like that before, especially a case like hers? Well, 
there's no set yeah there's no set time for how long a trial lasts some trials are only 30 minutes i mean think about it think about how many people sit in the courtroom for the first time and a meet their lawyer case, for the first yeah think about how many people who have public defenders sometimes sit in the courtroom for trial and the first time they met the public defender is maybe an hour ago some have indicated that they have never met the person before and they go to trial and 30 minutes and there's a verdict that's not abnormal mm -hmm. but remember that's not necessarily one of the errors that's more so a an aspect of weighing the errors as to why the errors are <clears throat> cumulatively creates this perspective that the individual did not have a fair trial because if it was a longer trial right mm -hmm. that means it's less likely that these things that are considered to be errors would be relevant or harmful to the defense because you know, if, if 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 the trial was 18 days and I said something on Tuesday on the second day, by the 18th day, the jury fucking forgot what I said 16 days earlier. Right. So I just want to clarify that. And okay. it might be. It, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I It might be helpful to go through the errors as presented in the actual opinion. And then okay. you can give your commentary from the stuff that you read outside of the opinion. Does that make sense? If I have, yeah, 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 yeah. If I have any, because I'm sure it'll be the same. It's just that the way it's worded there is like, what? So let's turn this on. All right, we're there. And so I'm going to highlight this piece here. So this is part of the opinion, and this is kind of like the opening part. But what the, the court basically says is, look, for the reasons given below, the court reaffirms its finding that the evidence is legally sufficient to support the defendant's conviction. So obviously, before this particular opinion came out and granted full disclaimer, I could not find all of the documents, all of the motions and things of that nature to be able to read them beforehand. So it appears that there was some kind of preliminary process where the defense was challenging the legal sufficiency of the evidence. In other words, challenging the fact that there is insufficient evidence to even have a finding of guilt. And for that part alone, she should have a finding of innocence, not necessarily just a new trial, right? So here, what, what happened is that the court determined that, that the evidence that the prosecution had at the time of the trial in 2009 was sufficient for there to be a, a conviction. And I will say that with respect to this the doctrine that we are going to be talking about, the cumulative error doctrine, it is a doctrine that is rarely used as a way to give a new trial. Okay. So that's very important to keep in mind when you are, if, for those of you who are listening to this, this isn't something that they just give out willy nilly, right? You don't just be able to, to make the argument that there's a cumulative error and get a new trial. These are things that rarely occur. occur. And so in this case, it, that should be a sign that there were some concerns raised with respect to what was going on. So one of the first errors discussed in the opinion is witness sequestration, right? And so in that particular instance, what the court was saying is that the, the trial judge allowed certain information to be heard in front of the jury. Do you remember reading about that? And from, from yes. a particular witness specifically, can you, you want to talk a little bit about what that is? What, yeah, because it kind of reminded me of the George Floyd, George, 
George Floyd's trial. Did I say his last name right? Yep. Remember how it was televised and every time they they were trying to like talk and it was something that was going to affect them. They didn't want the jury to hear. They were asked the jury to leave. So it reminded yep. me of that. Yep. But they, they said one of the errors is that the jurors should have been sick, sick blah, whatever. Say, why don't you say sequestered. it? Sequestered. Sequestered during questioning of the defendant's family member. Or at least the trial court should have issued a curative instruction because during such family member's testimony, she said that the evidence didn't look good for Angel, although the defense attorney objected on relevance grounds, it was never objected later after being overruled. So apparently that statement was repeated three times by a Mr. Smith before they kept moving on to other topics. And the statement communicated to the jury that even family members believe that the proof that they found against her made her guilty. Yeah. So Bailey Smith was her grandfather. Remember, that is the guy who allegedly she did some she used to play in the garage with or something. And so oh, so Shirley is bum pass, but her grandfather is not bum pass. Correct. Now right. I now I get it. Okay. So he was able to make comments on, on the stand. And I think there was other comments from other family members about how the things don't look good for Angel, right? And so in law, there's this old saying, you can't unring the bell, right? So the concept is, is that when you hear a church bell, once you hear the church bell, you can no longer say you didn't hear it, right? And so once you hear of certain evidence from, from individuals like that, once you hear of certain evidence, that's going to stick and resonate with the jury. And so what the court said in this opinion is that the proper thing would have been for them to sequester the jury. Sometimes what happened is some court used white noise, right? I know some of you may have seen shows when lawyers particularly go up and sidebar with the judge and the judge push a button. You hear all this. The the whole point of that is I mean, instead but of what making does the, the jury here? Because they all in the same room. <laughs> That's what they hear. So, like for instance, when I That's used to, so weird. Yeah, so they hear the white noise and they don't they don't hear what we're saying to the judge because we're most of the times we're arguing to the judge about a particular ruling. We're reminding the judge about a ruling, about certain evidence that shouldn't have came in, and the other party is trying to bring it in or at least trying to slide it in, backdoor it in. So there are things that they don't need to hear because if they hear that, that's stuff that they can yeah. use in their head about, okay, well, if this is a lawyer is saying this and, and, you know, if the judge is saying this, then this has to be right, right? And so what, what the court was saying is that that evidence should have came outside of the jury's presence, right? Having a grandfather basically say, this don't look good for my baby, essentially, kind of would send a signal that even everybody in the family think the girl did the, yeah. the crime. Had I know? been the jury, I hear the grandfather saying that, I would have been like, oh God, she guilty. Exactly. And we know you because you don't like to give nobody right. any benefit of doubt except for what, that one particular person. We're not going to say the <laughs> oh, person's name who, who ended up emailing us. <clears throat> All right. Now, this one, the next issue that was brought up or the next thing that was identified as an error was the photograph of the defendant. So apparently 
the defense at the time was trying to introduce a photograph of Angel. And I don't know what photograph it was. They didn't really say. And the the judge initially excluded the photo, right? But then somehow was going to allow it to come back in to be discussed, but not allowed it into evidence. And so what's the significance of that? The significance of that is if it's not in evidence, right? When the jury goes back and deliberate, they don't get to take that, right? So, you know, unless they've, they, you know, some jurors take notes, some jurors don't, some just sit there and listen, right? So unless someone is truly listening to a piece of the testimony about a piece of evidence, right? When you go back to the jury room, you don't necessarily have access to to whatever was was just discussed about because it wasn't introduced into evidence, right? And so it was it was the evident the the photograph was considered a large piece or a, a, an important piece of evidence for the defense. Now, when we watched the show, accused, guilty, and innocent, we didn't have any inkling about any photograph. Do you remember anything about a photograph? Because I don't. I do not. And as I was researching for for this episode, again, like you mentioned, I don't know if this is the actual photograph that they refer to as the yearbook photograph. But if you go to, like, if you go online and you put her name, yearbook picture, it does bring up a yearbook picture. And I know some of the things they were mentioning was that during the time they say she committed the murder, she was an, what is it, an A-star student. Like, no issues in school, above her, you know, above other kids in school, et cetera. And when you look at the yearbook picture, it's like, wow, I, I don't think this this girl really would have committed this murder. Oh, this is the picture that you are referring to. All right. So this is the picture that when you Google, for those of you who are watching the video, when you Google Angel Bumpers yearbook picture, this is the picture that they show. And yes, that is accurate. What I understood from the independent research is that she was a pretty good student, right? And, you know, sitting here looking at this photo, I will understand why this is an important presentation of the evidence, right? Because from the defense perspective, there's no way that this meek little girl would be able to overpower this older man, even though he was 68 at the time. There was no indication that he was, you know, weak or that he was disabled in any kind of form, shape or fashion. So when the jury are you know, in the back discussing, deliberating, this photo could have created an opportunity for someone to raise reasonable doubt about the sheer ability of this particular individual of being able to overpower this particular individual. And it's relevant because keep in mind that she had a co-defendant who was 26 or 29 at the time of the crime, right? And who was found not guilty, right? Remember, but here she was, what was she, 13, 14 at the time 13. that the crime, 13 at the time that the crime was supposed to occur. And then there you go. That is why they wanted that particular photo in. And it absolutely makes sense why they would want that in. All right. The other thing <clears throat> that the, 
that the court focused on was errors in the closing arguments. Now, the, the, the opinion was clear to say that he didn't think that the prosecution did anything unethical, right? But essentially, there were some statements made during the, the closing argument where the defense basically just set <laughs> on her hands, basically, and didn't object, right? And so that was something that was relevant in, in, in the regards to why there could be a potential error. I think in that particular instance, the prosecution had made some statements about making a connection between individuals and was unable to make the necessary connections. And despite that, they they did not make any objections. And when I say they, Angel Bumpus' attorney. Did I miss anything on that part? Do you... No, that's basically what I have. They kept trying to to make the connection, you know, asking the wife, had she seen Angel or not? But the wife said she had never seen Angel previously. She didn't know who Angel was. The state did try to link Angel's aunt to the victim, but the wife denied even seeing Angel the times that the aunt would be at their house. So the other link they had was through the grandmother, but that link was not substantial. So they do feel like it could have been excluded altogether had other objections been made in advance by the defense, which they didn't. Technically, right. there's no connection whatsoever between Angel and the victim. Correct. And then the other piece here is about only relating to the defense testing of state's proof. Okay. And this is important, right? Because essentially what was going on in this particular instance is that there were some questions that were provided by the prosecution to a particular witness. The defense objected to the question and the judge sustained. So those of you who watch any kind of law or order know that it, when a judge sustained an objection, that means you need to move on and not ask that same question. That means that the judge agrees with your objection. If the judge overrules you, that means, nah, bro, sit down. We're going to let this stuff come in. Okay. Now, in this instance, the judge, excuse me, the defense objected to the question relating to testing the evidence from the state. Now, here, here is the key. Okay. That particular question was to Angel's co-defendant witness, not to any of her witness. When that, when the co-defendant defense team objected to that evidence, then the judge sustained it. Right. The prosecution then changed the question, but instead of identifying a specific person, just basically said, "Did anyone test the evidence?" And the an Angel Bumpus attorneys. I don't, I don't remember she had more than one, but the attorney did not object to that, right? And so what happened was is that the witness was able to testify that no, no one from the team tried to test the sufficiency of the 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 evidence that the, the state had. Now, why is that even of import, right? I just been talking and you just been shaking your head. Why do you think that's important? I keep forgetting. I mean, because I'm in, again, I'm in the my defense... element, sorry. The defense team did not do what they were supposed to do. Had they really been paying attention on this case, they would have realized that the co-defendant objected, you sustain. Why are you overruling me if it's the same thing? Yeah, but I don't even think they got overruled. They didn't object to the other question. Yeah, I'm sorry. No further objection was raised by the defendant. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. 
Yeah. All right. But wh- about this whole, what is, as a person, like, you you know, you always say you're a juror. Yes. Right. Sir. How can I help you? <laughs> Why do you think the judge is even raising this issue about testing? What does it matter if the co-defendant tested the state's evidence or if the or Angel's defense tested the state's evidence? I mean, it was a hair follicle. So that means there was a piece of hair that was found near the fingerprints that had DNA analysis been done. It could potentially have said, this is not Angel's. This is not the other guys. There's possibly, this is not the victim's, not the victim's wife. But it, but hair follicle is this? But the, the prosecution tested it and, and, and identified that it belonged to someone. So why, why is the judge bringing this up? Oh, I didn't read that. I read that the defense is the one who had requested the DNA analysis. Okay. Let's say that it was. What does it matter? Look, sir, I don't know. All I know is that there were nine additional fingerprints found in this duct tape. And we, the only one we were able to identify partially was Angel's because she used to do crafts. And we need to run the analysis again and see if we now have more fingerprints that could match those nine other fingerprints found on that tape. That's what I know. All right. The reason that that is of importance, right, is that a criminal defendant has no obligation to prove his or her innocence, right? They didn't bring themselves to court. I'm sorry. How was I supposed to know this? It is... You watch all these shows. I yes, mean, I, I give you these. I give you these no. free lessons for a reason. No. Um, okay. I watch the show to know what's going on, not to be, <laughs> not to learn. Yes. So what what the judge is saying here is the fact that the jury is able to hear that could suggest to them that Angel had an obligation to test this because if she was innocent, she would have tested it and they would be able to bring it in and prove it, right? But that's not the defense job. The defense doesn't even have to ask a single question in the trial. The defense does not even have to bring their own case, right? Because technically the way the law works when it's criminal, it is the prosecution's burden to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this person that they hauled into this particular courtroom on this particular day is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That is their job, not the defense job. Now, in order to show reasonable doubt, yes, defense attorneys often ask questions and cross-examination, and sometimes they bring their own case. And the only time that there needs to be a proof from the defense side is if there is an affirmative defense to the crime, right? So, for instance, if there was a shooting, right, and the shooting is self-defense, the only way that you can prove that is that the defense has to affirmatively prove that it's self-defense, not murder, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does now that you explain it, but, I mean, I don't know how you expected me to answer that, but sure. Okay. And I just want, you know, I wanted to, you know, I I think this is, I've always said this, like, I enjoy podcasting, but I really enjoy us talking about these cases because I always wanted to be a professor. I still want to be a professor. And it's a great time to, to learn and teach each other. All right. So the other piece of this, Denise, and I think this is the biggest piece and you can really talk about this because I remember when we were watching this episode, you were 
him and Holland about what the hell is going on and why these two people are even in the same room. And this is the evidence related to the defendant's links to the victim and the co-defendant. So the court is now in this particular section of the opinion is assessing the evidence relating to the link between Angel Bumpus, right, the 13-year-old at the time, and the co-defendant who happened to be 26 or 29 at the time, and Angel Bumpus and the actual victim of the crime who happens to be deceased and was 68 at the time. All right, go ahead, Denise. So Mallory and her didn't know each other. They didn't know who they each other were. Angel- Who's Mallory? Because I don't think defender. we established. We didn't establish that on this episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me see if I have his full name. I think it's Mallory Vaughn Mallory or something. Man, I have. Oh, Ma- yes. Mallory Vaughn. Mallory is his first name. So they didn't know each other. Angel doesn't even know this person exists until she starts going through the trial. You know, talking with her lawyers and stuff about the trial. The only connection, and this I actually learned not from the accused guilty or innocent episode, but actually trying to research on the case. The only connection that they could ever put between Angel and this Mallory person was a Facebook connection that Mallory had because he had a mutual third party acquaintance, which was someone named Corderell Bumpus. But that connection had existed 10 years before this trial. So that was the only connection they could make between Mallory and Angel. Other than that, these people didn't know each other. They didn't even know why they were sitting together next to each other being tried for this case. All right. Now, let me let me do one slight correction. The connection on Facebook was not years before the trial. The connection that they brought was years after the trial. Mm, So the Facebook connection happened, you know, 10 years after the fact, not before. Now, what I don't know is whether Facebook was available at that time or not, because I don't know. But it don't really say. I mean, 2009. Uh, Yeah, because that's when Dorian was born. We don't we don't really know if she had a Facebook. They don't really say. We don't know. I hope she didn't. She was 13. And we don't know if Mallory had a Facebook. We don't know. But obviously what the judge is saying, look, the prosecution did a shitty job, a weak ass job, connecting the fact that Andrew Bumpus had any inkling, understanding, recognition of who Mallory Vaughn is. Okay. Now, I want to make this disclaimer too. Okay. Because we can't really talk about whether we think Mallory is guilty or not. I'm not going to do that because he was found not guilty by a panel of his peers. Okay. So I want to make that very perfectly clear that for purposes of this podcast and the discussion of this, he is innocent. All right, go ahead. So what else, what, 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 what other weak connection was made that the court talk about? About him and, and Mal, I mean, Mallory and yeah. Angel. That's all I had. And what about the, the victim? Oh, I didn't read that. There was no connection. Remember, you talked about it already. The court had talked about the fact that the wife never knew of Angel until the cro- mm-hmm. until the trial, never heard of the child. And the wife apparently didn't even know about Shirley Bumpus, really. Uh-uh. Yes, she did. Because she knew that that's, Shirley that's, would that's buy. Not, that's not what it says here in this opinion. 
Bonner, it says Bonner denied ever seeing the defendant when the aunt came to the Bonner house. Oh, yeah. And then it says the link between <laughs> Shirley Bumpus was certainly, this is the what I get. It says the link through Shirley Bumpus was certainly not substantial and it may have been excluded altogether had other objections been made. So in other I words, what the earlier, judge is, sir. okay, but what the judge is hinting to the defense is because we talked about this that last, yes, we did. We talked about this that that first episode when I kept bitching and moaning about why did they even let Shirley on the stand? Stand, she shouldn't have been right. But you just said the wife didn't even know about Shirley. Yes, she did because Shirley. Oh, okay. okay. Everybody, kudos to the, the right. Stuff. <laughs> yes, finally, because you always want to prove me wrong. So take no, that no, no. back. Yeah, I take that back, but. But do you recall when we first started talking about this episode? Yeah, because we remember talking Shirley about it and I originally. And we were saying she, how she, I kept arguing that she should not been on that damn stand, period. We knew remember? that because she she was a bitch to be. I mean, I'm sorry. I said that the last episode and I'm going to say it again because her attitude was just terrible. But remember, Shirley was also at one point considered a suspect. Do you remember? Yeah. According to the episode, yes. Yeah, yes. so although they didn't mention anything on this one, Shirley was considered a suspect because she used to buy pot from him. Yeah, at any rate, <clears throat> what the court here is saying in that part that I just read is that basically, had the objections properly been made, she should have been excluded altogether as a witness. <laughs> okay, so... And then this is where we get to the wane of everything that happened, all of the different eras that, that happened, the, the sequestration, the allowing the prosecution to claim that they were going to make a connection and never make the connection and still make those arguments and close an argument that, that they made the connection between Bumpus and the co-defendant and Bumpus and the victim. The fact that the photograph was excluded from evidence, even though it was allowed to be talked about. And there was something else. But ultimately, all of those things in combination, the judge basically said, look, this doesn't lead to a, a fair trial at this particular point. But I do want to highlight this point. The judge was very clear that there was evidence that surely linked Angel to the area, to the crime, right? He talked about the fingerprints in there. And quite frankly, he said there was substantial evidence. That was substantial evidence of the fact that there's a possibility that it was sufficient evidence that she could be convicted. But what was the nuance? Do you know what the nuance was in regards to why, even though there's this evidence of her fingerprints on the sticky side of the duct tape, the what, what was the reasoning why the court didn't weigh that against her heavily and given a new trial. <clears throat> mm, I don't know. Did you read it? I mean, <laughs> you know, I must have read it, but again, English is not my first language. So unless it's in Spanish where I can really understand it, I didn't <clears throat> find what you're asking me when I read it. Okay. I did, that, I didn't get anything from that. Okay. And, and what I'm going to do is just to make this easier, I'm going to add this on the screen because I do think this is a significant piece to, to discuss. All right. 
So you see here I have it highlighted. This is talking about the way of the evidence. And the court says the most significant evidence against the defendant is that her fingerprints are on the very weapon that killed Mr. Bonner in two separate places. Remember, Mr. Bonner died of officiation due to the fact that there was duct tape around his mouth and also around his arms and he was constricted with it and around his legs. During the trial, expert testimony established that these fingerprints belong to the defendant and this expert testimony was unimpeached. In other words, the defense was not able to, to show that the expert testimony was bullshit. All right. This evidence against the defendant is significant as her fingerprints and their location associate this defendant specifically with the time and the place of the murder of Franklin Bonner. All right. Now, having read that, it sounds to me, do, do you get from that? It sounds to me that the court is basically saying, look, this is making you look real guilty, chick. As a juror, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, let's, honestly. No, I'm, because uh, you, I have you, in my head what the grandfather said. So because I have in my head what the grandfather said, that to me is still not making sense. Yeah, but that, I, I don't even think the grandfather testified to that on trial the grandfather testified why her fingerprints would be would be there because she would use craft she used to use the duct tape at his home and he thinks because he was a handyman that he must have taken that duct tape from his house and brought it over to mr bonner's house all right and let me let me pull up what what the court said about that (laughs) indeed the defendant's own explanation at trial for how her fingerprints came to be on the tape covering the victim's head and wrapped around the chair leg was nothing short of pure speculation. Again. In other words, that that is evidence that someone is just guessing as to why her fingerprints are there. All right. But I, I get what you're saying, but just uh, for purposes of this conversation, I don't care what the, the grandfather said. I'm trying to, to make an educated point here. That part that I just read from the judge about the thing. I mean, I'm sorry, but you're calling me uneducated just because I have an no. opinion? <laughs> oh, my God. You are so annoying right now. That part. Reading it, I'm not asking you as a juror. I'm asking you just reading that right now, not knowing nothing about the case, and you read that. Would you get that the judge is saying that there is significant evidence to link you to the crime? He's basically saying your fingerprints are on the location, on the the murder weapon, and two separate locations. I mean, I'm I'm not taking into consideration what the grandfather said i'm taking into consideration the age of as being on trial it's been maybe mr vaughn you know mallory because i i would look at his age and be like Oh yeah, you know this may. But kids may kill all the time, guilty. Denise. That that that's not a justification. Kid people. You see, see, this is the problem I have shooting, with you shooting people that's in this classroom. That's my opinion. My okay. opinion is, I would not think, especially looking at that yearbook picture, that this thirteen-year-old person would do that. Maybe I'm naive. Who knows? But no, I don't think that. No, 
All right. So for the average person out there that actually reads that, okay, you will get that the judge is saying, because I'm not asking again, Denise is not listening to my question. I didn't ask her what she feels about what the judge said. I said, reading that, it does it not appear that the judge is saying that there is sufficient evidence to show that maybe possibly you were at the crime scene? That was the question. Sure. All right. A 13-year-old. <laughs> the importance of this distinction is here, right? And this is why when I asked the question earlier, because remember, we talked about the beginning of this opinion. The very beginning of this opinion, he said there's legally sufficient evidence to support the conviction, right? Now, and that stems from the crime scene and the fingerprints, okay? But remember, what was she charged with? What was the crime? Aggravated robbery and yes. felony murder. Murder. Mm -hmm. And what what was it? A felony murder and aggravated robbery. Right. Okay. So here is the difference. And here's why this is important. Okay. The crime that she's been charged with, because remember, if you go back to the earlier episode, the house was all ransacked and all that. Remember? Right. That's the robbery. Right. Someone came in there to rob. That's the crime. Right. Felony murder says that in the commission of that crime, right, that you do something and place someone in danger and cause the death of that person in the process of committing a felony, right? And so the fact that she was allegedly committing aggravated robbery, which is a felony, and the person died as in the commission of that felony, that is why it's felony murder. And what the court is saying is, but aha prosecution you failed to make the proper connections to show that there was a co-defendant there who was able to assist not just with the robbery but with the tying up of this particular individual so you're charging her with felony murder but you haven't made the connection in regards to the actual underlying crime which is the robbery right and so that's one of the reasons why the fact that her for those of you out there who, you know, there are going to be some people out there that's been like, ah, oh, her fingerprints on the tape, she guilty, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to take your perspective. The fingerprints to them means that that is firm evidence that she committed the crime. But you have to think about and remember what she was, what she's been charged at with at the time. And she was been charged with aggravated murder and felony murder. I mean, excuse me, aggravated robbery and felony murder. And they did not make the proper causal connection at the trial with her robber now uh, does that make sense any questions about that no no questions are you sure positive all right now unfortunately though it looks as if the prosecution having read this opinion thoroughly has determined to change the charges did you know that uh-uh. What are the new charges? I want to show you. This is the beauty. Can you see this? So this is on the county criminal court. And so here you see her, Angel Kamika Bumpus. You see that they have a next court date on 3-29-23, 2023. So sometime next month. 
I don't know if this is the actual trial or if there's some kind of hearing, but they changed it to first degree murder. And then the second one is attempt, especially aggravated robbery. So they're trying to remove the aspect that they need to prove the underlying charge of felony or armed aggravated robbery in order to link her to the murder since her fingerprints are on the tape. So, that's so before be she was she was being charged before with the especially aggravated robbery. So I guess they added the attempt especially. Correct, because what they're and they removed the felony murder, and now they're putting it as first, um, degree, first degree murder, murder which is still high to prove. You you got to prove that she intended to kill this person, right? You have to prove some kind of motive, which I think is going to be kind of or at least necessarily you might not have to prove it. I, I don't know in Tennessee some most places you don't have to necessarily prove motive but you do need to improve you need to prove intent and sometimes I mean most times intent and motive all goes hand in hand right you got to have the intent the motive to want to do something right so that seems to be kind of a high burden for them to prove based upon the evidence that we saw now we don't know what additional evidence has come out as a result of that, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And particularly in with, with the intent, because you still have to grapple with the fact that the, the wife had already testified that she did not know Angel. Right. And this is sworn testimony, which is going to be available for use. So if she now comes and say, oh, I do remember her. I saw her. Then she can be in the defense should impeach her with her previously sworn testimony that she had under oath, right? In regards to her knowledge of Angel. So it's going to be interesting. What are you looking at? The no. Oh, I was looking at, uh, I was trying to remember the update that you had sent about her brothers because, mm -hmm. you know, I kept thinking of how we felt the conversation between the brothers in the episode. Remember how we were like, these brothers know more than yeah. what they're actually saying. So I was trying to remember the update on the brothers. And then I, I have to say something else about her case that interests me. So Which was? I mean, are you with the I'm done. With the facts found <laughs> Yeah. That the only the thing I wanted to mention was that I, you know, as I kept trying to research, it did say that once they have filed the motion or I guess once the the judge granted her the new trial the state had 30 days to appeal i'm assuming the fact that you just showed those new charges mean that they did appeal right it doesn't necessarily mean that they had to that they appealed necessarily it could just be that they changed the charges she wasn't charged with it before they can change the charges mm. so and 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 possibly that's what you know i yeah I don't think they necessarily appealed because what they would have appealed is the fact that she was entitled to a new a new trial, not the fact that she the charges that were against her. Does that make sense? Because the 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 motion was relating to a new trial, not the the charges. So based upon from a procedural mechanism, I don't think they appealed. I think they just determined to change the charges. So based upon the evidence that they have, they still have to have sufficient evidence to support it. Right. And, you know, this is going to be a little difficult, I think, particularly because this is this case has really kind of catapulted or at least it did 
in the mainstream, right? You have Reddit communities out there. You have all these petitions. Let me just show you this like petition here on change.org for her. These, these people ain't planned, right? And Eight hundred seventy-five thousand nine hundred people. Excuse me, nine hundred fifty people signed this petition, and it's a demand a retrial for Angel Bumpus, wrongfully convicted thirteen-year-old with a life sentence. And they give, you know, I don't know how they have all this information, but they they went and did all kind of stuff. Where I mean, they even list cases where they said here are cases where fingerprints were wrong. Right. They went all out. And, you know, so people are really kind of into the outcome of this particular case. So it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how that goes about. So, you know, that they were trying to her her new defense attorney was trying to he filed the motion for her to be released on supervised freedom via GPS to the conclusion of the new trial. Um, mm-hmm. And he wanted the original bond, which was three hundred thousand, lowered to seventy five thousand. You knew that? I didn't know that, but I know that she's out. Yeah. So the prosecutors were opposing the supervised release, and they wanted to argue for increase on her bond. A businessman. Oh, that's from- right, came in. Yeah. So she has she has support. Yeah, but go ahead and tell that because some people might not know that. He he posted the ten percent for the bail, so he gave one hundred thousand for her to come out. So that's how she was released. Yeah, yep, yep. So yeah, people are like are trying to like you know make things happen. I, I signed that petition. I know you did. I did too, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did because I, I the case was just. I mean, the case was bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I, and I'm not saying that anyone did anything wrong from the prosecution, like unethical, but the evidence just sucked. I mean, there was really no true connection. Now, I will say I am a firm believer, unlike you, that whole story from the grandfather was bullshit, too. So, <laughs> you know, I know that you want to say that, you know, because it's your opinion that prosecution wise, I think they did the job they needed to do. I didn't say that. You just said that. You said that you're not, you know, going to say that the prosecutors didn't did anything do an unethical, unethical. Job. Well, right? Yeah. But right. what I'm saying is, I mean, I'm not saying that the defense, both, both, because it was two of them, defense attorneys did anything unethical. But I do feel, based on, I think not only based on the episode, but now based on the fact that this new trial has been granted because of some errors that were made by the defense. I think they did a very, I don't know if it was because they felt they didn't have the time, which if you sit, if you sit here and say the jury was selected on one day, two days later, this trial was decided still before that they had time. They were spending time with her. I felt they could have done way better than what they did. I I believe that then. And I still believe that now. I am not in disagreement with you. I think that in, in, in the clips that we saw, I think there were many things, several things that should have been done by the defense that was not. I felt like there were certain. Now, again, we can't say that we know everything that was happened behind the scenes. So I want to make that disclaimer out there. Right. But just based upon what we saw and then taking into consideration what was said in these opinions. And again, we are not 
saying anyone did anything that was below the bar, right, of, of being an attorney. But, you know, it's easy as individuals to Monday morning quarterback, right? I can say what the football team should have did on Sunday, right, sitting back on Monday, right? But when you are in the heat of the things, there are a lot of things going on in the trial and, you know, sometimes your brain is multitasking, doing different things because you're thinking about what's the best way to how the best to cross this particular witness and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Why you make those facials, Russia? <laughs> <laughs> Only because, honestly, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I could see that. I, I could understand that, but I guess I've had so so many different experiences by watching these things on TV. I still have like some of these accused and guilty innocent episodes where we've seen defense attorneys be on point with like that, like our girl. Like, what's her name? The I girl, forgot her name, girl, but her girl, name. yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, and she was a public defender. I sit there as I was researching for this episode too, and I would have been like. Had Sean been the lawyer on this case, right, baby. man, this girl would have been innocent because we never would have even gotten to a judge looking at these arrows. Oh, bop, bop, bop on these hoes. You know what I mean? But yeah. I was just going to say, it would be interesting to, to have you go through everything the defense did and then you say possibly what you would have done differently. That's just Man, you know, they ain't, don't nobody they ain't nobody paying me for that. All right. Anything else on this episode you want to talk about? No, Denise? I don't I no, no, sorry. I was just trying to look through my notes to see. I think I mean you didn't mention the detective, but yeah. Oh well, because I don't know nothing about it. I ain't read about that. And it wasn't in the opinion. I mean, is that something I mean, you want to It wasn't really on say? the opinion, but yeah, because if this goes to, to trial, I won. I want to know what this lead investigator did to to find other guilty people. What is the word for the um other suspects? Other suspects. Okay. You're gonna tell the people or you're just gonna roll your head, your eyes, and your neck. You're gonna tell the people what what you're talking about. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, so apparently the lead defense on this case. Back in 2009, Detective Carl Fields had been terminated from the force for wrongdoing involving a witness. He also was under investigation back in 2014 because he coached a rape victim. In 2016, he faced criminal charges for tampering with evidence, which I feel all of this is relevant. Very. To the case. <laughs> they and better bring this in. Charges were later dropped in 2017 because there was not enough evidence to prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But in 2006, he pleaded guilty to a DUI, which initially he was trying to pass as it, as it being a carjacking. So basically, he was lying to his own people we when he's supposed to be protected. Investigator. Yeah. You definitely need to bring that in, Angel's team. Definitely bring that in. Because if, if he's the lead evidence, I mean the lead detective, he has access to this information. And keep in mind, you know, for those people, one of the major reasons that OJ got off was because the lead detective was some bullshit, right? 
Mark Furman with some bullshit. And that, you know, that was brought into the particular trial for a reason, right? Because if, 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 if the lead detective bullshit nine exactly. times out of 10, the evidence that is quote unquote, that's produced or, you know, that's obtained from that particular inter that particular investigation somehow could be tainted. Like we know what's the chain of custody, who had this particular evidence? When did you uncover? How was it uncovered? How was it bagged? How was it wrapped? How was it doing this? When you took it to the, the, you know, the examiner, the examiner or the, the facility where they do this testing, how is, how is that information kept? So that's information that you definitely want to bring out. And if you can show us like the, the if you can show that the evidence was tainted from the very beginning, then the the end result of that evidence, the reliability of that can be definitely called into question. Thank so yeah. You. So Excellent. Mr. William Messi or Mr. Seth Seagraves, which are her current attorneys, Get if you guys are listening, Get bring that in. <laughs> or at least find enough to bring that in. All right. So I hear those names over there, jets flying. So it's, it's almost about time for us to go. So anyhow, that is episode 75, episode 75 of Case Revisited, Angel Bump is Cold Case Killer, Innocent Teenage Girl. Now, that title is the original title of the case that we did. That was from episode 32 from February 2021, two, almost two years ago. I would say that looking at those videos, I am, you know, the Lord has brought us a long way. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's just say that. Woo! We were roughing it up in there doing some videos. But you know what? Here's the thing. This is the proven tenacity of continuing to do what you want to do. We continue to do it and have been doing it. I've been doing it for almost five years. Can you believe that? I was going to say a lot of money. Usually when you look at videos like that, well, I've come a long way. It's because you've been making some money out of it. And so if you go back to look at your thing back then and look at you now, this podcast must be bringing you a lot of moolah. I mean, I am doing the Lord's work. Okay, He gave me a mouth and a brain for a reason. And I do my own Especially that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to thank Denise for being a part of it. You want to say something to the people? Thank you once again for having me. And I wanted to do this this update because I've been been following her updates and stuff. So I'm glad that she's finally gotten a new trial. I'll be praying for her and I will be definitely checking on March 29th to see if there's any new updates for us to bring another episode. Hopefully that next episode is that she's been what's the word? Right. What is the what would be the right term? Not guilty. Exonerated. Is it oh. exonerated? Well, exonerated is when the person is found guilty and then there's evidence that comes out. But she's getting a new trial, so she does not have a current conviction. So she would be found not guilty. Or, arguably, they can go to court and the prosecution can drop the charges. Not enough evidence. Oh. Well, I will be praying for that. And this is just Denise's opinion. I will be hoping that these businessmen out there that are helping her and continue to help her because once she is found not guilty, we are proceeding with charges against the state of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> and but again, you mean, you mean, you, you mean you to sue, you think it about yes, trying to yes, sue. Yes. Yes. Because oh she God. spent 
she was convicted back in 2019. This girl has spent almost five years not being able to see her kids. Those kids are being raised by someone else. Before this happened and she got convicted, she was living, I mean, yes, she granted she got one ticket. Other than that, she was living morally correct. She was going to school. She was trying to get her nursing degree. Her life and those kids' lives were messed up now you know they're not growing up with her with her so yes she needs to sue and i'll be right there with her oh my so God. angel oh. jesus christ okay excellent all right denise i want you better be glad i'm not an attorney because i would actually offer my <laughs> services for free there you go you'll do this so you're gonna go ahead and say where you can reach us all right so you can reach us at peaks Peeps Creek Cafe in Facebook. If you have Facebook, if you don't have Facebook, you can reach us through Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch at Peeps Creek. And if you don't have Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, or Facebook, you can always listen to us and see our lovely faces. Actually, my lovely face through YouTube at Peeps Creek Podcasts. Or visit our website, which you can see information www.peepscreek.com, which you can also listen to the podcast. There is a library of all episodes listed there. And you can view the videos there. Oh, I didn't know that. No wonder I was listening to the podcast and not that's looking why at the I was, video. That's why I was showing the video from earlier from our website. Oh, well, there you go. Or you can reach us by email at cafe at peepscreek.com. All right. Until next time. To drink, listen, and converse. All right. Peace and love. Love. And I guess now I could be upgraded to co-host since I know (laughs) at least the closing. (laughs) All right.